Today is going to be part four of my series on getting guidance from God. And today is when God steps in with supernatural signs. And my plan today is to continue this series with the part that's the most challenging, when and how God gives us supernatural direction and how to avoid some of the major pitfalls in this. And I have lots of stories from scripture and from people today. And uh, so here's the order I'm going to do things in today. I'm going to talk about, to start with, an inner voice, three ways that God may speak, and then an external voice, three ways God may speak. So that's inside and outside. The inner is when other people can't see it. The outside is when other people can be witnesses. And the last point is pulling it all together. But first of all, the story so far, just very quickly, um, I began to uh, to, to talk about um, um, how not to find guidance the first week. Uh, and my title was How Not to Choose a Wife and Other Stories. And if you're interested in that, it's online. And the problem with fleeces, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then I, I gave... Um, some basic ideas, uh, two extremes, the dot and the circle, and I won't go into that now. You can watch that if you want to. And then last time, it was three steps for knowing God's will. And this is my basic scheme that I'm be following today. Um, and the idea is that there's three stages. The, the, the first one, the bottom, having the heart of Jesus in us. That's who we are. The second one is asking for wisdom, and then the last one is specific revelation. And just to put a bit more flesh on that, um, uh, as uh, Christians, we're walking in the Spirit, we're living and loving according to our new heart, which wants to do God's will as revealed in the Bible. So something, we don't even need guidance to know whether to love somebody. We don't need guidance as to whether we should lie or whether we should cheat or steal. You know, you don't need, you're living out of the new heart that you have in God. And so that's the foundation layer. That's what you start with. And and uh, sometimes, you know, you, Jesus in his life, it says he was filled with compassion when he saw the people. And it's his, his heart of love that's there. He didn't need guidance as to whether he should do something. It was flowing out of who he was. So that's the first level there. And then we have asking for wisdom. You're not sure. You want wisdom. It doesn't seem obvious. And so we ask for wisdom at this point. And this, the last part there is supernatural revelation. And uh, this is, um, we, we can't demand it, but we can't ignore these things when they happen. And my, my overview is we should always have one. We should ask for two when we need it and be open to three when God decides to give it. So let me give you a little story. A number of years ago, my, my son Luke was about to move to France and uh, he needed a particular document from me that was related to tax. And um, he needed it that day because things had been left a bit late and suddenly he discovered he needed it. He's flying out that day. So um, uh, the first level is, you know, do I bother with this? Well, yes, I'm his dad. I care about how I'm going to work really. So I put a lot of effort into trying to find this. 
and uh, I um, uh, and I couldn't find it. So um, I prayed for wisdom. Lord, show me like, what, where might I have put it? Like what kind of, and I went and I prayed and I went through all the places that I thought reasonably it might be and, and I didn't find it. So I prayed, Lord, I need you to help me now. I need you to show me where this is, Lord, because it's just such a desperate situation. And I opened my eyes and my, and I opened my eyes. I, they were looking across the room and there was a pile of papers and a what piece of paper sticking, a corner of it sticking out. As that's what I was looking at. And I thought, I don't think it's over there, but let me go and check. And I pulled the corner and out came the document that I was looking for. So those are the three levels. And God graciously granted me um, uh, forgiveness for my disorganization. And I found the document. So that's just a quick story. Um, sometimes things are fairly straightforward and we can figure out where we're going and sometimes we need wisdom and sometimes life is really complicated and we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. We can't just like wait. There's a choice coming up. And we may pray, God, please show me. Please give my direction. And the problem that I'm going to talk about today is sometimes these can be confusing. These signs can be confusing. Um, and so I'm going to try and unpack this today and see if we can get a bit of clarity in this. And I've divided it basically into to two categories. An inner voice, where it's something that only you, we use the word subjective. It's only you, it's inside you. Um, and I've got three ways in that. And the first, so the first one is feelings that are given by the Spirit. So when you just get the strong, you pray about something and you get a strong feeling that, that that's the case. The second one will be voices. You maybe hear a voice in your head or you see a picture. You have a strong impression about something that's in you. And, um, uh, and the third one will be a dream while you're asleep. So it's not something that other people, you can say to other people, well, what did you think when you saw that? Because this is all inside, internal. And uh, so I want to start off by giving some examples of from Scripture, and we're going to begin with number one here. We're going to begin with feelings given by the Spirit. Feelings, like an urge, uh, some kind, an inner feeling. Um, and uh, here's an example from Philippians, and we're going to see two kinds of things happening. Um, he's writing to the Philippians, and he says, I hope to send Timothy as soon as I know more about my situation. In other words, I need some wisdom. And when I have some wisdom, I'm going to know what to do. But then we have something that jumps into the third level. He says, I am confident in the Lord that I too will be coming to see you soon. In other words, he has this deep like impression from God that he knows. He can't, you know, it's not like an angelic voice probably, but it's just something he knows. The Spirit has told him on his heart, he knows he's coming there soon. Um, 
But for now, I've considered it necessary, so this is wisdom again, I've considered it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you, for he's my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to me in my need. So he's a good guy, and I've thought it through. And so you see two levels here, the wisdom, and then you see the, the word from God that he's received, not given us any details about. And so what is this? What am I talking about here? Well, I'm talking about thoughts that come while we're praying and reading and worshipping. I'm talking about thoughts that just come to us. And a couple of weeks ago, I told you about um, a woman who was um, called Rosalind Goforth, who actually lived over north of Cabbage Town. And she had that amazing walk with her fiancé where God was guiding them, like, oh, no, I think we should turn this way. And it turned out that God was guiding them to somebody who was dying and they were able to save their life. And uh, that was just this impression, this thought that just came. Burdens that weigh on us. You know, this. I'm just feeling I've got to do this. I've got to. I'm concerned about this person, you know. I just feel that they need me to call them. There's something that's wrong. Uh, we may be uneasy or lack peace. We're thinking about doing this. We're planning to do this. But you know what? I just don't feel peace about that. There's something wrong. Now, we need to take care here that it's not the flesh that's speaking. That it's not like I'm feeling really, really um, uh, uh a lot of peace about this, but actually it's because it's the kind of thing I like doing or I'm, I'm not worried. It, so the flesh can come in and the feelings can come from our own flesh. But I would say, if there's no harm done, if you're wrong, try doing it. So let me give you an example of this. Um, and let me go back to this one. Um, so a, a woman I know of in England who was in a sinful relationship with a guy and um, he, she, was, she knew she shouldn't be doing it. And somebody, a friend, came and spoke to her and they talked and she said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop this relationship. So she did. And a couple of weeks later, she was back with him. She said, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't give me peace for being away from him. I just didn't get peace. Uh, well, where was that peace coming from? Like she was, she was, she was just missing him. And basically, we can confuse like our own fleshy feelings with the spirit. So we need to be very careful. We check it up. Is this what God's word says? Is this? Am I going? Because God's word, God, God's the feelings will never override God's word and God's will. And that's what, where she was making a mistake. Because we can easily justify our own desires. You know, I, I, I've given the example before about a red Ferrari, but you know, I don't have peace unless I was to buy a red Ferrari. You know, I just feel God is giving me, he wants me to get a Ferrari. I just feel that. You know, I just got, that's it. That, when I see one, I say yes inside. And in I know it's God. You know, and we can get this and it's, it's, a, it's a warning because people really do mess up in this area. Sometimes, though, there's no harm done. So, for example, um, uh, I was uh, one day I was thinking about a guy I knew in New Brunswick. It, it wasn't Andy, and um, it was somebody. And I thought, um, I wonder how he's doing. Yeah, I wonder how he's doing. I hope he's okay. I must call him. So I picked up the phone. I called him just like that, and he he actually said, "How did you know to call me now?" I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I was just about to take my life. He said, God must have given you that. So we talked and he didn't. So like that, so, but the thing is that if I'd been wrong and it was just a feeling, there would be nothing lost, would there? 
there'd be no harm done. And actually, that's a good way of trying things out because you learn then, okay, that wasn't God. Oh, that was, okay, maybe that's what it feels like when God does that. So I suggest to you that if there's no harm done, uh, I've, I knew some people who would regularly go around the, the downtown um, knocking on people's doors and talking to them about the gospel. And um, they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses, they were Bible-believing Christians. And what they would do is when they came to a corner, they would pray, God, should we do that street or that street? And they would do whatever. Um, and uh, God would lead them to amazing opportunities. Um, but like, there's no risk if they understand that all, that all that goes wrong is they go up the wrong street. So um, God sometimes speaks then in this way by giving us this inner voice. The second thing I want to talk about is when it's a bit stronger than that, it's, it's voices. We hear a voice internally. We maybe get a picture, some strong impression, and uh, something maybe just pop into our mind, or it's just a strong feeling, and we just feel this very clearly. So I want to give an example of a man called John Welsh, who was a Puritan pastor in the 1700s in Scotland. And he really had this very, very clearly and strongly in his life that he would like have this sense from God in such a clear way. And people knew about this. People knew and they would, they would respect this. And the, um, there was a, a situation when um, uh, there was, this is extremely well documented. There was someone called Lord Castle, um, Castle Ward. And this young man died. And uh, so um, John Welsh sat by the body and he prayed. And he just prayed and just sat with the body. And after three hours, the family said, okay, it's time to go in the coffin now. He said, no, I need longer. And I just feel God saying I should stay here. So he prayed. After 12 hours, they were really pushing him. No, he was going to stay. Stay all night. So the next day, they didn't have cooling, of course. So it's, you know, the the body could start to smell. And uh, he's still, 24 hours later, he's still there. So they thought, what are we going to do? Let's get the doctors to really prove this to him. So they got several doctors to come in and to, 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 to make absolutely sure this guy was dead. And they said, there's no doubt this guy is cold and dead. Um, well, you convince this, you convince John Welsh. And, John, and uh, so they, they started like doing things to the body, like getting cutting with pincers and things like that. And just to try and prove it was dead. And um, John Welsh said, look, I need more time. God is saying I should stay here. I just feel it. Anyway, for after 48 hours, they said, look, this is enough. He said, could everybody leave, please? I'm just going to pray. He prayed. And the guy came back to life. Very well documented because he went on to be a politician, went on to, to move to Northern Ireland and was, became quite famous. So it was, it was not something that, well, this is documented, this is something that didn't happen in a corner, and it was the doctors were witnesses to it. And, um, but even if he'd actually, if he, even, even if he hadn't died and was in a coma, which I don't think was the case, but even if that was true, it was still quite extraordinary that he didn't allow them to put the guy in a coffee and bury him, which is what they were going to do. So either way, this was God speaking to him through this strong impression. So John Welsh became so well known for hearing from God in this way that when the plague came, they put him at the gate of the town 
And he would say to people, no, you can, can't come in. Yes, you can come in. And this is documented. There was one group of people, a family, he said, you can't come in. And they said, well, we can't. no, you can't. Oh, you can't. You've got the plague. They went to another town. All the people in the other town died of the plague. So, um, so this is a, maybe an extreme example of God speaking with his inner voice, but it's a very well-documented one, and we need to, to know this. And once again, you know, we've got the problem of the flesh, but then this was well-tested with this particular man. So the third category that I want to put in this, uh, this area of um, God speaking in inner ways is through um, dreams while asleep. And there are many stories of people becoming Christians, particularly in the Muslim world, where they've had a dream of Jesus saying, I'm the one, come to me. Not just what, like many, many large numbers of people this has happened to. And they've uh, heard this dream and they've got, they've started uh, um, learning about Christianity and got saved. And God speaks through dreams and many stories in the New Testament about God speaking through dreams. And uh, one thing I want to say, though, is that uh, when God, all the accounts in the Bible of God speaking through dreams, it's been very clear what he's saying. And uh, so here's one, Matthew 2. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. So is that dream clear? Yeah, it's absolutely explicit. Um, you can't imagine him getting up and saying, um, hey, Mary, I had this weird dream last night. There were some sort of pictures of pyramids in it. And, uh, and I wish I had my dream journal that I could have written stuff down because I can't remember it all. You can't imagine that happening. No, if God wants to speak to you in a dream, I think he'll make sure you remember it. And, and, and he'll be clear. So the problem with dreams is that... Um, um, they have weird themes. There's been a lot of research in psychology about what's happening with dreams. And often thoughts we repress during the day come up in dreams and emotions we repress come up in dreams. And this can make it very confusing if we think every dream is from God. Um, so please don't start trying to interpret your dreams in this weird way um, uh, uh, as if, you know, they're all from God. Generally speaking, and particularly in the New Testament, every single dream where God speaks is clear, not symbolic. It's clear, and there's no ambiguity about God. what God wants you to do. I could give you lots more verses that speak to that. <clears throat> so um, to conclude that then, the inner voice is three ways. Feelings given by the Spirit, where they're just kind of general feelings, when there's something stronger than that, a strong impression that may be accompanied with a picture or maybe a voice that you hear. And um, the, um, so there's a story, actually, I have about the voice. Um, there's a, a guy, Jordan, who we supported here as a church in, in some mission work that he did in Haiti. And he had a new guy in Haiti. And he was, this guy was a Christian and he was in his house and he heard a voice in his head saying, get out of the house right now. 
So he said to his friend, look, we've got to get out of the house. I just heard this voice. We've got to get out. And his friend said, no, I'm not getting out. He ran out of the house. There was an earthquake. The house collapsed. His friend died. So, and, and Jordan came up here and told us this story. So like, we, this isn't multiple hearings. This is like almost firsthand. We heard it secondhand from someone who knew the person. So God can speak in this way. God can speak through these voices and through these clear impressions. And God can speak and has spoken through dreams and is still speaking today through dreams. So those are my three categories then for this inner subjective voice. Um, so, But God also speaks in a way that's objective and external. And by that, I mean, if other people are present, we can discuss it with them. We can say, well, what did you think of that? What, what do you think is happening there? And uh, I'm going to give you these second three ways. A prophetic word from someone else that's, you know, that's external to us. It's objective. An open vision or voice while awake. Other people could be present for it, but like you actually see a vision. Happened a number of times in the New Testament that people actually see visions or hear a voice while they're awake and everyone hears it. Or not, not always everyone hears it, but it's like it's not in you. It's something that you actually perceive with your senses. And the third one is providential events and signs, things that happen, things that you think that cannot be a coincidence. That must be God speaking. I, I can't. And this last one is one of the main ones. It's one of the major ones that there is for God. And I would say it's, it's really very important. So let's look at the first, the prophetic word. And uh, this is a whole sermon by itself. And I have preached on prophecy before, and it's a, it's a, it's a big topic. Um, I'm just going to say a few things. Um, uh, there, is, there is danger of, in, uh, of people who um, have a prophetic gift saying, thus saith the Lord, God is telling you, da, 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 and just speaking like that, uh, directive words. And it's always, we're always told in the New Testament that pro- prophecy should be judged. And so you should have someone else with you to listen to what's being said. It's not a healthy thing if, if you have just one person giving a prophetic word to another and there's no one else present to hear that because then you don't have any reference uh, the way we're told to it in the New Testament. The other thing is that uh, it doesn't mean that if somebody is genuinely a true Christian, they truly have a prophetic gift, they'll get it right every time. Because in the New Testament, uh, prophecy was not perfect. That's why it had to be judged. And here's an example, a couple of examples. Agabus. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took, this took place during the reign of Claudius. Uh, each of the disciples, according to his own ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this by sending to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. So what's going on here? They've got such confidence in Agabus that when he prophesies there's going to be a famine, they actually like 
collect for it. And we can read in Paul's epistles, they're making serious collections, serious amounts of money to support the Christians in Jerusalem on the basis of a prophetic word that, from this guy who obviously is very trusted. Uh, so they took him very seriously, and that was right, but he wasn't always exactly right in what he said. And later on in Acts 21, after we'd been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. Um, when we heard this, both we and the people there pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? Paul did not receive this. Um, now, the, the other issue is that actually this isn't exactly what happened. Um, the prophecy is very precise here. In fact, the Jews didn't bind him. They tried to kill him. They didn't hand him over to the Romans. In fact, the opposite happened. The Romans rescued him from the Jews. The Romans did bind him. But so, so what can you say? Well, he probably saw a picture. Um, and he probably had this like impression. And he's giving what he sees as his impression, which isn't right in all the details, but genuinely it is. And so, so um, we don't say, oh, you're a false prophet because of this. We say, you know, this is how prophecy is. Sometimes some of the details are not exactly right. Just one more example. On the way to Rome, Paul started admonishing the captain of the ship who was about to set sail. And Paul had a very strong word that there would be, that this was, there was going to be a storm and this wasn't good. So what did he say? Men, I perceive, and this is from the Spirit, that the voyage will certainly be da with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Actually, that last bit did not happen. No single life was left. So what's happening here? Well, Paul probably saw a storm and stuff going overboard and so on. And he described, no, we shouldn't go. And he was right. They shouldn't have gone. So the gist of the prophetic word was right. He was wrong in all the details. The centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than what was being said by Paul. And as you know, the storm happened. So, so, um, I would, what I would say then is that prophecy should be, if somebody gives you a prophetic word, it should be what we use, we use the expression with an open hand. So what I mean by that is, if I was to say, um, uh, uh, say, Carrie, God is going to bless you this week. So that would be just to say it. God tells me he's going to bless you. Or I could say, Carrie, I, I have a sense that God's going to bless you. I just want to give that to you. And, you know, you can, you can judge whether you think that's right, but that's the sense I get. So I'm, I'm giving it to you with an open hand. I'm saying, here's what I'm experiencing, but you can, you can have that and you can decide what you can do with it. By the way, I, I hope you do have a good week, but I didn't get a word about it. <laughs> um, so do you get the idea? So if you think, if you've got something that you think God is, is going to do, you don't say God's telling me this about you. You're saying, I'm getting this feeling about you. I just want to offer it to you. And, you know, you should pray about that or ask other people, but this is just what I'm feeling. 
And um, uh, I've been uh, I've been very blessed by some of the prophetic words that I've received. Um, even some general ones. I mean, very often general ones like "God is with you," "God loves you." You know, that feels really good when something the Spirit says that to somebody to tell you. You know, it's not going to mess up my life if it's wrong. Well, hopefully it's not wrong. <laughs> but you know, you know. So, so like general prophetic words like that are really, really good. They're really, really helpful, and there's really not a downside with that. Um, and it's safe. Um, but, you know, sometimes we get some very specific words. And um, once I was, um, I was um, with a gathering and some people said to me, you know, that guy over there, he's got a prophetic gift. You should go and ask him to pray for you. Now, I don't like doing that. I don't like going to people and saying, you know, I, please pray for me. Do you have a word for me? So, because that, you know, but anyway, I went to him and I, I said, don't know, would you mind praying for me? Sure, he said, and he looked to me, that's, that's not encouraging when a prophet does that to you. <laughs> he looked to me like this. He said, you're going to go through a fire. You're going to go through a fire. But you're not going to be burned. Not even the smell of fire on you. He was quoting, of course, from the, 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 um, in Daniel's time when the, the men were put in the fiery furnace. When they came out, there was not the smell of fire on them. And, uh, you know, then he prayed for me that God would bless me and keep me. And um, two hours later, I knew exactly what he was talking about. <laughs> exactly what he was talking about. It was the fire. But guess how I felt? I thought, what do I need to worry about? I'm okay. Like, this is fine. And so it totally transformed my experience because I knew that this was in God's hands. And, of course, the most important thing was there wouldn't be the smell of fire even afterwards, and there wasn't. But um, so, uh, so that's, it can be incredibly powerful when God does that. And there's absolutely no way that could have been made up or imagined. It was just not, not conceivable because it was such an unusual, unlikely thing to, to do for somebody. So um, uh, let's, um, let's move on then. That was Acts 27. Um, so the, the next thing... Um, there we go. The next example, um, Acts 9, 10 to 16, there was, uh, the, I want to talk now about a vision or voice while you're awake. There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias, and Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he may regain his sight. So this is amazing vision, and uh, this is um, in his internally he's been given this. Um, but Ananias answered, so he can actually have a conversation in this vision with this this vision he sees in front of him. Uh, this isn't a nighttime dream. This is something that he's awake. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 
for I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And uh, so that um, that the, uh, the, the this is the um, amazing uh, beginning to Paul's career as the Apostle Paul. So um, so again, I would say take care if it doesn't match up with other things. Take care if there's something that contradicts the scripture. Take care if it doesn't seem to match up with other things of God. Um, And we can see several steps here in Paul's second missionary journey in Acts 15 and 16. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we proclaim the word of the Lord. So here's his heart of love for these people. He wants to, 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 to bless them and see how they're doing. This is heart of love and maybe some wisdom as well. So the churches were being strengthened by faith, increasing in number every day. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been prevented by the Holy Spirit. So here we have some strong inner impression from speaking the message in the province of Asia. When they came to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to do this. You may be confused by the expression Spirit of Jesus. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus because Jesus sent him. And sometimes the words are just used interchangeably, the Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of Christ, because he is our experience of Christ in our hearts. So the Spirit of Jesus did not allow him to do this. So they passed through Mysia and went down to Troas, A vision appeared to Paul during the night. A Macedonian man was standing there urging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul saw the vision, we attempted immediately to go to Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to proclaim the good news. So here you have then Paul acting out of love. He's given wisdom, but then God overrides that in the top of our steps of pyramid with a specific um, Command, And this is a beautiful picture because this is what we should do. We should act out of our new character, who we are in Christ, according to his word. And as we do that, when we need to, we pray for wisdom. And if we're doing that, we're praying for wisdom and we're seeking to serve God, then we should be open to him speaking in these other ways. But we can't just like, I'm not going to bother with wisdom. I'm not going to bother with what the Bible says. I'm just going to pray for a supernatural revelation. No, that's not what happens in these. God is building on what we're doing in our own experience here. So... um, uh, three ways God may speak, a prophetic word from someone else, um, open vision or voice while awake, and providential signs or events. So the providential signs and events. This is the last of my sections, and I've got a lot to say about this. And as I was preparing this, I thought, Andrew, you shouldn't try and squeeze this in the end of the sermon. You should do another sermon. So this is not going to be the last part of our guidance sermon. I'm going to give a whole week next week on how we handle this sort of thing happening. Uh, it can be an important source of guidance. God often seems to open doors. Sometimes things happen that are very unlikely to be a coincidence. We may pray about something, an exact amount of money is provided. Philip is in the desert and there next to him, God puts him in the desert. There's a, somebody reading the Bible. Oh, 
Well, you know, what a coincidence that here's a man reading the Bible right next to where God has put me. That's his God. Um, the, uh, and I'll talk about this next time about the gifts. Um, so, um, so what I wanted to, to talk about next time is, does God speak through random or unlikely events? And if so, how do we know which are really God? And this is going to be my topic for next time. And I have some really great stories. I've got some, some stories from my own life, some stories from other people's lives, and some stories from the scriptures. And I've, I didn't want us to skimp on these stories, which is why I'm not going to try and do it now, because I think that we do need help in this area. And this is such an important area for hearing what God wants to say to us. And also, it's a very dangerous area in getting it wrong. So I'm going to devote a whole chunk of that. Um, so one more thing before we close. And um, let's just see. Um, uh, how are we doing for time? Okay. Um, okay. I'm just going to give you, give you one story from next week, okay? So this is the story of um, uh, Billy Graham. Uh, when he was young, before he was really starting his ministry, he was speaking at a meeting, and uh, two men from a radio station came and said to him, wanted to, to offer him to start a radio program, an evangelistic radio program. And he didn't want to do this, and he kept avoiding them. And when he saw they were in the hotel, he'd take the stairs up. And like he didn't, he didn't want to see them. He was like, no, this isn't what God wants us to do. And eventually, they managed to corner him. And uh, they said, look, we feel that you should start an evangelistic radio show. And he said, look, if by the end of this evening... Which is just a few hours' time. God's provided twenty-five thousand dollars, which was about a quarter of a million dollars by today's standard, specifically for this. Then I'll do it, okay? And they laughed, and they everybody laughed, and they went off to catch the plane back home. Anyway, he mentioned this in the meeting that evening, and and one of his uh, helpers said money's coming in, like people are giving money, we're getting all this money coming in. Anyway, he got back to the hotel room and there was all this money and they started to count it. It was $24,000. But he'd, uh, he'd said 25000 It was $24,000. Just then, there was a knock on the door. It was the hotel concierge. He said, two letters have just come for you. He opened them up. They were both postmarked two days previously. Both of them said the same thing. If ever you think of starting a radio ministry, here is $500 check. Two $500 checks to make it up to exactly amount. Meanwhile, the guys from the radio show who were at the airport felt his impression from the spirit, we shouldn't get this plane. We should go back. I don't know why, but we should go back. So they went back to the hotel and they discovered the news. So was that a coincidence? Or was God speaking? So that's the kind of story I want to tell you next week. How do we determine whether this weird thing happened is actually God or not? Now I'm going to end up with a story I promised to tell you last week and forgot. So it's the story about this. So this is the a remote slide changer that Andy needed to use when he preached two weeks ago. 
And um, on the Saturday, I, um, I thought, oh, you know what? I don't know. I've lost that slide changer. I don't know where it is. I need to find it. So I started searching for it in the places where it should be, and it wasn't there. And so I thought, oh, where is it? So, I, so I'm acting out of love for Andy. So this is the first level. I care about him. I want his preaching to be good experience. I want him to be able to change the slides remotely and not have someone else doing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm acting out of that. So that's, that's the first uh, level. Uh, after a while, and I couldn't find it in the obvious places, I thought I need to pray for wisdom. So I started praying, um, uh, God, please give me wisdom. Where would it be? And I started thinking through all the logical places, and it could be on my desk, with the desk that I need to sort. So I thought, I'm going to sort that desk. So I sorted through the whole desk, and it wasn't there. And I checked every place that logically it should be, it wasn't there. So I thought, okay, I need to pray for some more now. God, I need, and I, I, I thought, I'm going to go specially, I'm going to go to, to, to a different room where I, where I pray. I'm going to kneel down, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to specifically spend some time in prayer. And I'm going to ask God for, to reveal it to me. And as I prayed, um, I could, oh, give me a picture of where it is. And I kind of felt like maybe in a drawer or something like that. And um, anyway, uh, I came back again, and I looked in the drawer, and it wasn't there. And I looked in other similar drawers, it wasn't there. It wasn't in any of the drawers. So I thought, what should I do? Well, you know what? I mean, what I should do is do some more clearing up because I, I do need to do some clearing up and it could be down there. And so the wise thing to do would be to clear that lot up. And so um, I just started clearing and clearing and clearing and, clearing, and there it was. So what's my conclusion? God wanted me to motivate me to do some clearing up. <laughs> And, and he gave me the wisdom to know that's what I should do. He gave me the wisdom. He didn't short-circuit it with telling me exactly where it was because then I wouldn't have got the clearing up done. And it was God guided me because it's here. It was there. So, you know, God answered my prayer. It was there. This is the evidence that God answered my prayer. But he didn't answer it in that third tier. He answered it in the second tier. So I just want to leave you with a story, which isn't about what we're talking about this week. It's saying that sometimes don't feel you have to have that top level for God to be speaking to you. God cares. God listens to you. God hears you. Pray, seek his will. And if he wants to give you some word, he will do that. So let's just pray, shall we? And uh, I just want to bring anything to God that you may be struggling with right now. Heavenly Father, I want to lift before you, everyone who is here right now and people who are watching on the internet, I want to lift them before you, Lord, with the decisions that they're struggling with right now in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you'll give them a heart that wants to serve you, that, that loves you and is full of your spirit and your, your desires that they'll be living out of that. Lord, I pray that you'll give them wisdom. I pray, Lord, you'll just bring to mind things that they need to know about. Lord, show them what is important. May they have a spiritual wisdom about what they're doing. And Lord, if it's your will and you want and you, you want to in that situation, Lord, we pray you would clearly and ambiguously speak to them in a supernatural way that they will know it's you and they will have the joy of being able to testify God heard my cry and he spoke to me. Lord, I pray that we may have some testimonies of God speaking. Thank you, God, that you heard us today. Thank you that you hear this prayer, God. Amen.